Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? And a happy Friday morning to you here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Weather this week has not been great, but uh, we're going to try to warm you up a little bit. Talk some Pirates baseball. We are about a month out from spring training, which is simultaneously scary and amazing. And um, I can't wait for Bradenton. But anyway, um, joined this week by Andrew Destin, Mr. Rowdy, uh, two sports. What's going on, brother? How are you? Doing well, man. It's been a. I know we were talking about this a little before recording, but Penguins are playing well. It's a new year. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to talk a little Pirates action, though. I always uh, spring training is one of my favorite times of the year, just as somebody who observed baseball from a distance and yep. getting the taste of that last year. It's like I, I can't wait for it. But at the same token, it's crazy that baseball season's almost upon us. So it's a fun time of year. But I'm sad that college football is over. I have to admit. Yeah, yeah, that's. And it's always a weird pivot for me, like around the holidays, NFL, college football wraps, like, you know, you're always going to have hockey going on into baseball season, but uh, like, it's real yeah. to me. Like, I don't know what switch flips around the holidays, but uh, I, I like it. Uh, I've put Bradenton on one of the uh, weather locations on my phone. So it's, it's that far official. I'm starting to look at weather down there. Um fantasizing about pirate city i'm glad you got to experience it last year you'll get to experience it again this year um it's just it's so fun man like i i hear a lot from people about oh spring training seven weeks you're gone all this time and i like it i really do it's one of my favorite times of the year i think that area is fantastic so yeah not a complaint no certainly can't can't imagine it's a beautiful area of the country too not to mention not just that you're in florida it's man the beaches right there You, you can't go wrong can't for sure, on. for sure, and, and it stinks being cold. So, all right, <laughs> pitching in. We're brought to you as always by the North Shore Tavern. If you like baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior is wall-to-wall pirates, appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone. Open every day. The North Shore Tavern across from PNC Marcus, Pittsburgh's home for steak on a stone. Um, thank you for their sponsorship. A lot to get into this week. Andrew, um, we were both at Pirates Fest, David L. Lawrence Convention Center. By and large, I thought the Pirates did a really good job of this. I'm glad it came back. Um, I had my wife and kids there. They were experiencing things as a fan. Fans, um, they had an absolute blast. Uh, I want to get into some stuff we learned during two days of media availability with players, which I thought was really interesting. But just, you know, it was also your first time experiencing this, and I know you've sort of been raised in, in a different area and a different fan base, but what did you think about how they did it? Yeah, such a such a cool way to do it, right? And I've it's a great way to lead into it there just because, you know, growing up Bay Area, I'd been to FanFest for the Giants before, similarly at the convention center back in San Francisco. And, you know, as a kid, those were such, you know, moments that I never forgot, right? Being able to interact with players um, in those intimate settings away from the game where they're so sociable, and it was like for me, like stepping into a time machine, just seeing how the players, <laughs> seeing how they're interacting with kids. It, you know, it kind of it's those moments that it might sound cheesy or cliche, but it kind of renews your love for the game and rem- reminds you of you know moments of why you do this, but also 
how good of people these are that you're interacting on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, so above all that, though, just great job by the Pirates of putting on the tip of the cap there. And uh, from everything that I saw, the interactions, players signing autographs, the setup, um, being there with the fans, engaging with them in little mini games and activities. And, um, you know, I could go on and on about, yeah. on and on about it, but it was just a, a great moment. Really enjoyed it uh, personally. How about you? Yeah, yeah, uh, same. Um, and to just sort of give people the, the lay of the land and how it looked and whatnot, um, it was up on the third floor of the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. And frankly, I think they could rent out more space. Um, yeah. It went on concurrent with the uh, RV show. And I don't know why they just did one floor this year. I mean, maybe they didn't want to, you know, bite off this whole big piece of real estate and then not fill it or something. I'm not sure. But I mean, based on the interest, the number of people there, they could they they could do far more. And that's that's great. We'll see what happens. But I mean, you know, you walk into this third floor conference I don't even know what you call it, ballroom, adjacent ballroom and, and conference center, whatever, this giant expanse. Um, and you're walking past like all the banners and stuff, um, you know, some, I don't know what you would call a giant ball. Just it, it was decorated very well. There was a, a giant wall of pirates history, um, lockers with historic artifacts. You've got, uh, you know, separate autograph rooms that people were able to sign up for, uh, regardless of how people think about the procedure. I know that rubs some people the wrong way, but um, there were some very sizable lines for autographs, for kids' autographs. Uh, 93.7 The Fan had a radio booth that was like really, really popular. I was talking to some people about that. I thought that was awesome that they broadcast live from there and just ran through a bunch of people. Um, you walk down a hallway and then to the right, there was a, an even bigger, I think they called it like a Steel City ballroom and a kid's field. I know my kids did that and, and you could like... Uh, you know, run the bases and do stuff in the outfield and hit off a tee and throw in a net and all that stuff. And like, you know, bounce house, different interactive games, uh, balloon and like it was, it was sort of like a baseball carnival. Um, but anyway, that, that's, yeah, just, uh, I, I felt b- bad. Like we were skipping past some, right. some important details and they, they did have, and this is applicable to something we're going to talk about, but this big main stage, um, you know, where they ran players through and management and, coaches and that sort of thing to talk about various, you know, strategy, game planning and, and fun stuff like cooking or whatever, but like there was constant entertainment on there. So, okay. That's going to take us to one area that one of my biggest takeaways from Pirates Fest, Andrew, just to sort of get into actual baseball talk. But so the Pirates required you to submit questions ahead of time. When I saw this, my first reaction was, you've got to be kidding me. This is a, a bad look. You're trying to screen out negativity. What are you hiding from? No other organizations do this. And I mean, truth be told, I emailed or I DM'd a bunch of other beat writers about like, hey, does your team do this? Have you heard about this? What, what? Trying to trying to get some context surrounding it. And the, the answers were all over the place. Um, but I say all that to say, then we get to Pirates Fest. The Pirates shied away from no negativity. Um, right. You know, the first question was, I forget exactly what, but it was basically like, are you going to actually spend money on this team? And I think the second question was, are you going to spend money on the team? Then they gave the hot mic to somebody uh, who said, if we care so much about development, if we spend so much about development, why aren't we developing guys? Completely fair question, especially it was related to young pitchers. So anyway, I wanted to get your takeaway on that or, you know, like what was what what was something that resonated? I mean, you don't have to discuss that, but I mean, what's what's something that resonated most with you about that, you know, actual event wise? 
Well, first thing is just, you know, I worry about my job because these fans could certainly do it based off the questions they were asking. <laughs> that, that's where my mind goes. No, it was, uh, yeah, my mind went to the same place as you did of what's this going to look like? What kind of questions are we going to get? And my biggest takeaway was the honesty and candidness of answering said questions just from the guys we had the top brass on the podium there um, for the Pirates, right? With Charrington, with Williams, with, uh, excuse me, with uh, Nutting as well. So my biggest takeaway from them was just, you know, facing the music, right? You're there in front and center. You're talking about these topics that are hot button issues for fans. Um, and I'll let you get into more of that, the nitty gritty of it, just given your reporting and writing about it. But um, my biggest takeaway from it was the honesty about it. Because I think they're not afraid of the idea that like this should be taking the next step forward. And that's in respect to, you know, Pirates development, Pirates on-field performance, all those sorts of things. Um, so that was a big takeaway for me. It was just, hey, these guys are ready to, Face the music, they're there, um, and they're answering it. Yeah. Uh, that story, by the way, is on our website if you have not seen it. Just if you Google, you know, Post-Gazette Jason Mackey Pirates Q&A or something like that, that'll be on there. Uh, I mean, I thought their answers were okay. Uh, I think there's some stuff that you literally can't answer. Like to, to yep. uh, one question that, again, I think is very important with the Pirates right now, and it was asked in a way that, like, there was no fl- – about, the, like, if we care so much about the development, why – and it was specifically like why have Rowanzi Contreras, Quinn Priester, and Luis Ortiz um, sort of taken steps backwards? Um, again, which is a completely fair question, and I think it's one of the most important storylines with the Pirates this season, especially given their need for pitching. Uh, I don't know if there's a ton Ben Charrington could say, you know, because yeah. if there's a magic answer, like they're going to go do it. And there isn't. Maybe there's a little bit more of an honest omission that I wish they would, you know, say like, hey – you know, we, we kind of tinkered a little bit too much. I think we bit off a little bit more than we could chew. Um, that would be my answer, but I don't, I don't run the pitching development program. Um, but right. yeah, I mean, I give them high marks for tackling the issues. Um, you know, and I, I also think that I feel like this is a, a narrative with a, a lot of stuff surrounding this team. It doesn't matter what they say. It's what they do. Yep. And they can sit there and say, we're committed to building a winner and we're going to do this and we're going to do that until you do it. It doesn't matter. And like, I understand where they're coming from, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like you are rebuilding. You did sort of scorched earth your way to three losing seasons. You're coming out of that. You've got young talent. The payroll went way down. Now the payroll's working its way back up. You just signed two long-term except like all of that stuff, in my opinion, is in the pirates favor, but like, you're sitting there and telling me how we're committed to building a winner. And I'm, I'm looking at a starting rotation that has three people. That's not an organization right now that's showing me that they're committed to building a winner. If you're committed to building a winner, you should have a, a starting rotation with at least five guys. Um, you know, you're talking about building depth with 10. They're so far from 10. But again, a lot of this stuff is like a, what I say, what I do, what I'm going to believe people reacting now on January 11th versus February 11th. Like there's still, there's still room guys can improve. I think it could look a lot different with time. So again, I I guess I'm just saying it's kind of like I give it an incomplete grade on some stuff. Um, But again, my, my biggest, maybe my biggest takeaway, at least non-player wise was that they answered these questions. You know, they submitted them through this process, I guess, to sort of streamline the asks and they didn't want to give somebody a, hot mic to like give them a three minute story about how they used to go to Forbes field as a kid and and sit in the $1 seat, which is great. It's just, you know, there's a finite number of minutes to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know what though? 
I mean, honestly, Andrew, in hindsight, like I would just have them do the live questions and yeah. sift, sift through that stuff. Like it's not worth the headache. It's not worth the headache of getting crushed, looking like you're trying to hide from something. But I don't know. I don't run things. So, all right, let's move to some player stuff, though. What what uh, what stuck out to you about the like 72 players that we ended up talking to over two days? And it yeah. doesn't have to be one thing. What a marathon, man. Yeah, that like was. We, we could go like so many different ways about this, like zero in on one player, zero in on a position, just pitchers, just outfielders, something like that. Um, I, I guess the places that I'll start, and I'm sure you'll go to different areas like a cut or people like that, but the first place I'll start was Henry Davis, um, chatting with hmm. him. Yeah, in a formal setting like that, you know, we've, you and I have had the chance to chat with the young man one on one. Certainly other beat reporters have, and he's certainly, you know, better, more revealing, more opening with his answers in those settings than the group scrum, um, as some fans may remember. And that's no knock on Henry. That's just, this is a guy who is all business, all about getting to work, and all about, how can I get back on the baseball field and get to work as quickly as possible, right? Like that's at least been my observations of interacting with Henry. Yep. Um, I bring all that up to say he was, he seemed so curious and so passionate about talking about what he's doing this off season. And I think part of that might be, he recognizes how important this off season go, is going into 2024. Just, no given the, just given the backdrop of Andy Rodriguez is out for the year in terms of catching. Yeah. They've gotten Ali Sanchez, but like, this is a job that you very well, when the season comes to a close, you could be sitting here having caught 100 games. Like, I don't think that's unrealistic to expect. Now, is that what's going to happen? Very different conversation. Jason DeLay certainly has an argument. I say all that to say that if everything goes according to plan and Henry Davis develops at the rate that the Pirates want of him and he wants out of himself, this guy could be the catcher more often than not in Pittsburgh this year. I know people will say, hey, this guy caught two MLB innings last year. There's plenty of room for growth. And what I enjoyed about that chat with Henry was he was open and honest about all that. I asked him a question about, hey, you're really passionate about receiving. Catchers have talked about how that's something you're really taking seriously. What are you doing about that? And he's like, that's the most important thing. That's how I'm going to grade myself as a catcher. So that was a big takeaway for me was just that's obviously a pet position that's a question. Henry Davis is a huge question mark as the former number one overall pick. And um, I thought that he was more than willing and wanted to talk about what he's doing to get better. That's cool. And it, it tracks with my theory. I actually wasn't in there for the Henry Davis interview, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, he can be maybe the best interview on that team yep. if he wants to be, um, which is hilarious because he made his MLB debut and they put him up at a podium and we're asking him questions. He's like, I just want to play. I just want to help the team win. I just want to go. Yeah, it's like, right. After the game, you get Henry after a loss and he's like, he is so salty. Um which, like, I respect. I get it. Um, I think he's going to have to learn that just, like, even even if that's the way you feel, people will probably make judgments that you're, like, you know, kind of a jerk. Yeah. When he's he's the furthest thing from that. Like, he's such a sincere Agreed. guy. I really like him. But, you know, that only comes through to people who are there all the time. Like, you're communicating with people who only have that slice of you. So, um yeah, and, and reading the quotes, having talked to Henry previously, sort of knowing what this year is about, like it's got to be a difficult or strange or something like emotional thing for him too, right? Like he and Andy are close. We know this. Um, it sucks for Andy, obviously, but Henry's never going to have a bigger opportunity to catch major league innings than he is right now. Like yeah. he's got to feel like he – you know, on one hand, you just hit the lottery. On the other hand, one of your best friends is in a world of hurt right now. His elbow's really screwed up, and that's 
that's got to be a weird dichotomy for him. Um, I do think I, – maybe this is mean of me, but I'm sort of disregarding Ali Sanchez. Oh, yeah. Like, like he just kind of feels like a break glass in case of emergency plan, like whatever. Um, and, I mean, I was, I was encouraged just to take the Davis thing a little bit further talking to Jason DeLay. Yeah. Um, he was one of our first interviews, and he said, you know, I would be kidding if I said I didn't look at this as an opportunity to take a little bit more responsibility. Sure. Um, I want to. I feel like I'm ready for it. Um, and I, I thought he was very forthright, very mature, um, which I, I certainly would expect from DeLay. He's he's extremely intelligent and well-spoken. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic pans out. I mean, obviously, Henry has a bunch of physical talent, um, absolute rocket for an arm, works his tail off. Uh, delay has too. And I think Jason delay is a very smart catcher. And I think you can pull a bunch of metrics that show that he performed starter level good, at least in terms of his defense and the offense took a nosedive after about the first two months, but I don't know what wins out. And it still worries me that they're deep enough at that position. I, I would still, as we've talked about on here, or Fort and I talked about a lot, like to see them add some depth there, but yeah, that's a good, um, you bring up a good one with Henry Davis. I think that's, that was one of the highlights for me as well. Yeah, and it's I think you're hitting on it perfectly there about the depth too. That's a part that didn't even strike to me that probably worth noting because let's think about spring training last year with all the catchers that they brought in, right, to challenge yep. Jason DeLay for that backup job. Yes, Austin Hedges was brought in, but you also had, you know, still Tyler Heineman was around, um, still from uh, the Mets, uh, Kevin Ploiecki. You know, he was on the scene for a little bit there. Now, I'm not saying these guys are world beaters, but, you know, I'd say that that's probably – in terms of, you know, uh, resume, just what they've done, track record in the big leagues, probably a yeah. little bit higher of a level than what you've got with Ali Sanchez. Um, so I say all that to say that you probably were in a better spot last year in terms of catching depth. So this is putting a lot in Henry's corner, I think is where I go with it. That's where my mind goes is that I don't think it's just talk anymore. And again, it's let, show me what you do versus show me what you say. But I wouldn't be surprised if in spring training and coming out of camp, it's pretty abundantly clear that like, hey, Henry is going to catch like he has to catch. Yeah. There's no other way of saying it. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to move on a little bit just because there's a bunch of other stuff I want to get to on this podcast from Pirates Fest. Another yeah. story, Andrew, that you wrote, um, I was intrigued by. I think a lot of people are going to be intrigued by is O'Neill Cruz. Um, it was cool to see O'Neill walking around David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Um, Derek Shelton in the, the Pirates management Q&A, he had a good line. He said, other than the, the guy on stilts, over there who was like literally on stilts. Um, you kind of can't miss O'Neill Cruz. He's probably the most difficult to miss person in here. Um, and it is smile. And it's absolutely true. Everywhere you go, you just see this giant dude um, beaming and, and dreadlocks and whatever. Like he's just such a fun dude to observe live life. I love it. I love covering him. I love just walk, walking around it, people being in awe of him, like seeing little kids looking up at him. So anyway, um, it looks like we're going to see that on a baseball field quite a bit this year. What did you write about? What did O'Neill say about his health? Yeah, his, uh, his health first and foremost. Uh, you know, we asked him about it, said, hey, how are you feeling? And uh, I prompted the question of what do you have to prove? Uh, just putting the ball in his corner. He's like, I got nothing to prove. I slid <laughs> in a Dominican League instructional game. I'm good. And I, <laughs> that generated laughter from all the, all the reporters, and rightfully so. The translator, Major League Coach Stephen Morales, same goes for him, just because I think he's kind of done talking about, like, how am I feeling? And obviously he needs to prove it in spring training and show that he can still play a major league level shortstop coming off a very serious injury to his left leg. 
Um, but I think he feels fine. And I think that's the big takeaway that Pirates fans should have is that this is a guy who feels healthy. He's taken all the steps. He's returned to some form of game competition. Um, he's ready to go. Um, yeah. And I think he's just counting down the days, honestly, until spring training and uh, excited to show fans that he's not afraid of sliding uh, after that incident last April. So, uh, nice. but yeah, it's, it's certainly important. It's a huge storyline for the parts, just given the production they got that position last year out of the likes of Tucapita Marcano, Alika Williams, Rodolfo mm. Castro. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, the, that's the face I make when I, I think about what they, they got there. This they is so that. terrible. For a full year, we had that last year. A little Chris Owings, too. Can't forget Chris Owings. Um, it was a heck of a rotating cast at shortstop. So I think Pirates fans will be glad to know that uh, Cruz is going to be there this year. They went from somebody potentially having a 40-40 season to somebody with like a, with like a, an aggregate 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> I, I don't know if there was any bigger disappointment with the Pirates last year or like big bigger change from what was expected to, to reality than what happened at shortstop. My gosh. Which to me makes that 20 and 8 start all the more impressive. They did all yeah, that. Right? They did that more without him. And I'm like, man, imagine if he had actually been around. My mind goes to the over 500 mark. But yeah, regardless, Dude, I what know. a disappointment. You, you honestly, they probably would have been over 500 with with a healthy cruise. Yeah. Honestly, probably. if you think about it. That's, that's wild, man. <laughs> think about that. And then if they were like... Give me Brubaker for a year. Give me Velasquez for a year. Give me Burroughs for a year. Like if those awful injuries wouldn't have occurred. Shoot, even if only two of the four occurred, I think we're talking about flirt with 500, which is in a way scary because I feel like this year's team is not there. Yeah. Um, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see them right now as currently constituted as a, as a team that's going to get over. Well, I don't know. I go back and forth on that. Cause I think their off season is incomplete. I still think there's more. And I think we're probably like, if I, if I look at the t- totality of it, like when we show up on day one of sprint training, I see that the goal is get to be over 585 ish wins flirt with the wild card spot. But like right now I just worry about the pitching depth. That's probably a different conversation altogether, but yeah, cruise man is just like, it's such an element, such a game changer for this team. Do you think 40, 40 is insane for him? I don't. I only – so insane, no. Likely, I will say yes, or unlikely, I'll say yes. Just yeah. because I think coming off the leg injury, I think they're going to be careful with that with stealing bags. You're but probably think, right. That's a good point. But 40 homers, I think, is totally valid. I yeah. see no reason why not. I mean, what, hit 18 or in, like, less than 300 at-bats the first year, right? Yeah. So you extrapolate that out to a full season with having some big league for, uh, familiarity with pitching. Yeah. Why not? Have at it, man. 18 in a full season, while if you remember back to what he did then, like he struggled left on left. He struggled with breaking stuff. We saw a market improvement last year with that. I mean, I was so impressed with what O'Neill did year to year, 22 to 23, just with his deficiencies. And you could you looked at him and you say, well, he couldn't really hit left-handers very well. You know, struggled chasing breaking stuff uh, defensively. Like he was very inconsistent. Um, you know, which are probably unfair holes to poke in his game, but he came back in spring and all three of those things were markedly better while maintaining speed, power, everything that makes him great. I just, I love seeing the player with an ability to change that stuff so quickly. Um, so I, geez, he gets healthy. He changes that stuff. I just, I, I really do think he's going to be a star. I think he changes their team dynamic dramatically. 
Uh, it's going to lead me into my next point here, um, although I do want to circle back to, to Pirates Fest, but it's appropriate. The banner ad you see at the bottom of your screen, your opening day lineup for 2024. For me, it starts with O'Neill Cruz. I don't know if you have a different opinion on how you would deploy him, uh, but give me your top three right now, and we'll, we'll work down from there. For top three of uh, who I'm putting? Yeah, uh, like your first, first three hitters with the position. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're going top of the order. Um, yep. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna lean on what Cabrian Hayes said and what he requests mm. in that he, he would like to bet third. Okay. Um, I'm going to start from there, work him there. Um, in the two-hole, it's a tough debate. I feel like I would go Cruz, and then I really? might and I might do something as crazy as even leading off a cutch. Now, you might laugh at that and say no shot, but I enjoyed when they experimented with it last year. Okay. I think we, we might be at a spot where you can back Cabrian Hayes in the three-hole. He no longer is in a position where, hey, it's not enough offense. You can't position him there. I like the idea of switching back and forth um, with the left and the, or the right, left, right. Then you could put Jack at, or four, which I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm saying, That's you know, all right. I'm not, I'm not against leading off with Kutch. I'm not against yeah. leading off with him. I liked what I saw last year when he was in that spot. Interesting, Andrew. Interesting. I see, I would, my, my initial thing, and I still think I feel this way is to put Cruz there. Um, and why I feel that way is he loves that spot. Mm. Is it metrically the most sound thing? No, but I think there's something to be said in baseball for putting people where they feel comfortable. To me, it's like, you know, I want you to do a job where you feel fulfilled. So you give me the best version of yourself. I feel like that's kind of what I'm striving for with the lineup. So my one, two, three, without burying any sort of lead would be Cruz, Reynolds, and Hayes. Um, on some days I might flip Hayes. Like if I'm giving Cruz a day off, I might move Hayes up to the leadoff spot and move Kutch into three, something like that. Um, I might look to use Kutch to extend my lineup a little bit more. Um, and I'll get to that, but I, I like Cruz as a leadoff guy. Um, I think he can really change some things that way, but you make me check myself with the Kutch thing, 378 OBP. Um, I didn't realize as I was sort of doing some research, I'm going to have a Connor Joe story online by the time anybody checks this podcast out. Um, I was working on it yesterday, but there were some numbers in there that blew me away, like Kutch's on base percentage leading the team. Um, and, and really Connor Joe and his on base percentage and some numbers he produced that you'll see in there are like sneaky, really good. But Man, putting Kutch in a 378 OBP at the top of my order to have him hitting in front of Cruz, who could potentially, like we're talking about, hit 30 or 40 home runs, turning a bunch of solo shots into two-run jobs or more, makes you think. Yeah. Makes you think. My mind just goes there because I think about the idea of protecting the lineup a little bit at that top, and I I think back to how well the lineup functioned when either Kutch or Hayes was leading off, and you know, maybe that's me glossing over too much of having Reynolds in the four hole that it would be nice to have him at two and then you could still keep Cruz up top. But I don't know, man. I, I just like the idea. I like the idea of getting Kutch at the top and having that veteran lineup or veteran presence who gets on base to lead things off. But as we all know, Derek Shelton's going to mix this up every day. So what am I even talking about? So we were in the Pirates Q&A at Pirates Fest and Shelton, he was asked something about, were we ever going to see some consistency with the lineup? You know, and I, I was laughing there and I was, I was, I wish I could have made eye contact with Shelton because we could have just had some sort of eye roll about like, you know, interactions with media and that he brought it up himself. 
he's like, I just could change the lineup all the time. So give the media something to talk about. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all right, buddy. Um, <laughs> which is fine. I'd say, I'd say the same thing to Sheltie. I mean, he knows the drill. Like he's going to change it. We're going to ask. We see each other 162 games a year. Like, what do you want us to talk about? Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be any consistency there. I just don't think that's the way he's wired. And I, to a degree, I don't even argue with it because I think they're trying to hunt the best possible matchups and put guys in positions to succeed. That's what they should be doing. Just like as reporters, we should be asking why you're doing these different things. Um, but anyway, all right, let's move on to four, five, six. I'll start with mine. Um, if I'm going uh, cruise, let me let me make sure I get my own work correct. Cruise, Reynolds, Hayes. I'll go Rowdy, Jack, Kutch. Ooh, forgot about Rowdy almost. That's a you good. Forgot point. about your brother. Well, it's, you know, sometimes I, I get lost. You know, I see the tweets and it's about Rowdy. I'm like, oh, he's writing about me. And I'm like, oh, no, it's Rowdy Telez. I have to remind myself. But <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably guilty of overplaying the Rowdy hand, but it's just so fun to me. I just can't wait. I, I was saying this to one of our colleagues, Noah Hiles, who covers uh, Pitt for us in the post, because I was saying I can't wait for the first day of spring training that I'm down there, and either you or somebody else is going to say, hey, Andrew, stand next to Rowdy so you guys can take a picture together, and it's going to yep. be two Rowdies. I just – I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yep. And then we can tell everybody why you got that nickname. <laughs> the man who brought a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and five mandarin oranges to Pirates Fest because he packed his own lunch. I can't believe nobody took me up on the mandarins. I brought them. Nobody else wanted one, man. You yeah. brought donuts. That's what normal people do. Yeah, I brought donuts and coffee because we had to be there for our first interview at 830 in the morning. I thought that was a logical step. And then I had pulled pork sandwiches from the snack bar outside and, and my man here is bringing what else did you have you had peanut butter jelly sandwich five mandarin oranges uh cheeses cheeses anything yeah. else uh a couple of ghirardelli chocolates from home <laughs> <laughs> all brought at, per usual in a giant ziploc bag right because lunch boxes are difficult and cost money yes bro i have 19 lunch boxes from two kids i'm gonna bring you in an avengers one this season i cannot wait <laughs> Maybe a Minecraft lunchbox. Um, all right. So my four, five, six, I gave it to you. What's yours? Okay. Four, five, six for me. I'm looking at it. I'm going probably Reynolds at four. Okay. I'm going to go Telez at five, Jack at six. That's, okay. what I'm, that's what I'm looking at there. So that's kind of, you're almost like rolling things back a little bit. That sounds like maybe the heart of your order. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but it's interesting. I think this is a deeper lineup but not necessarily top heavy lineup relative to last season which last season felt like one through four can compete with everybody five through nine i feel like this year if i were doing it i would want it to be a little bit more like three through six is where i've got my pop one through two those guys are getting on base yeah so you know i think there's no wrong way to do this but that's how i'd go four five six all right um let's move along here i started to write mine down because i forget who i had where and i want to make sure this is accurate um I'm going to go Henry seven. He's going to be catching. Um, at least at this point, I think that's probably the most likely outcome. Um, I need a right fielder and a second baseman. I think I'm going to go. This is hard. Who I think is going to be in right field. Um, it's the same thing I dwelled on. I was between two guys and just flipped a coin. Yeah. Who? What I did, did all in right field. I did all of theirs. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I like I, I put Triolo down. I have Triolo Pagero. So my seven, eight, nine would be Henry Triolo Pagero. 
Okay. But I sort of say that to say I don't think that's going to be a consistent lineup look. Hmm. Um, I just think that Triolo has a little bit more experience and like for this game, we'll use him out there. I, I truly think that he's going to bounce around all over the place. I think he's going to play – he might play four or five positions in a given week, and I don't think anybody's going to bat, and I think he can do it. Mm. Um, but just for this one, I went I went with that, um, which puts Connor Joe, um, Oliveras, Jason DeLay, and I don't know who else on the bench. You won Bay, maybe. Yeah. Um, if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sorry. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, it was either going to be Gonzalez or Bay for the last position player. Yeah, I – yeah, we'll see. I think Pagero wins the second base job, but I think that Triolo ends up playing a whole bunch. Um, so that's that's my lineup, but I, I, I guess with the caveat that it would be fungible. And if I'd put Oliveras there, somebody would be like, how can you not have Jared Triolo in the lineup? What's wrong with you? He hit 298 in 54 games or whatever it is. And so, like, I don't know. I don't want to invite those concerns. So right. what about you? I'm just excited for Derek Shelton to call Jared Triolo Ben Zobrist. That's what, I, that's what I'm here for. You're going to hear that. That's, I like, cannot a, that's wait. like a drinking game with Sheltie. <laughs> How many times he references Ben Zobrist? Of course, I'd be in the can by midseason. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, man. That's If you ask me what is my thing I'm looking forward to most about 2024 Pirates baseball, Ben Zobrist, Jared Triolo comps. So, <laughs> <laughs> so in 2023, this became an, a good bit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it going. Um, I started tracking Derek Shelton's big words. Because he likes, he likes to make fun of himself and try to act like he's stupid. And I've told him this. I said, I know you're not stupid. Like, I know, I, I know you're smart, but good job playing the character. And so he'll drop these words, and I swear he does it intentionally. And so I started tracking the SAT words that he uses. And he'll joke. And he's like, that, does that make the list? You know, conversant, vivacious, eclectic, exponential, meritocracy. I'm just looking through the list of this past season. I think I might track Ben Zobrist references. <laughs> references to Ben Zobrist, Chris Bryant, or no, I'm sorry, Anthony. Was it which yeah, one? Brian, which one have we? Go Brian, ahead. Bryant would be the more yeah position versatile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I for some reason I, I always flip the two, um, and then Marvin Gonzalez are the yeah. ones that always <laughs> seem to come up. Yeah, uh, good reference should, on Gonzalez. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, we should we should track this. All right, what's your seven eight nine? Okay, seven eight nine Davis Oliveras Pagero. Um, and I similarly have Pagaro winning that second base job, just given what yeah. he showed in the small sample size. But I think it's certainly a topic that either we'll bring up or we'll be talking about more. So these next few weeks is that second base job is as just like last year, as heated competition as any in this team, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I wrote a couple of days ago about Nick Gonzalez and Leo Pagaro, really good th- friends for the minor leagues. And it's just the way this works out, man. Like only one of them's playing. Um, and, and I thought Nick was pretty good at Pirates Fest about this, talking about, um, you know, like we understand we're here to make each other better. Whoever wins the job is going to be the person who performs the best. So, like, they get it. Um, but it is tough. So, yeah. All right. Um, as always, um, like, subscribe. I'll remind you again before the end of the podcast. Please chime in with what your opening day lineup would be. I think things can and will change. Of course, between now and opening day, it always does. Um, any last thoughts? Andrew about Pirates Fest, what we heard, what we did. Um, I guess I'll put this one in your corner, honestly. It would just be uh, Andrew McCutcheon talking, yeah. to, talking to him again. That was yeah. a big takeaway for me was just his role. And I, I'll let you delve into this more so. but just You delve impressive. into it. It's your, it's your takeaway. <laughs> my, take, my takeaway was I really enjoyed him saying that, no, I don't like being the veteran leader. I don't like being the guy who everybody talks to and I'm the authoritative voice. He's like, I just want to go out there and play. And I was like, 
same, bro. I enjoy. <laughs> I would love to just be out there playing, but I'm here writing, talking to you, which is great in its own right. But uh, I just thought that was a unique perspective of like, hey, this guy really doesn't enjoy the narrative of like you're the sage veteran that people can turn to. It's like, but no, dude, he, wants, he, he wants to win. He embraces it, and he wants to win. I was gonna say, but he is. Yep. He doesn't want to be, but, but he, he does is. it, yeah. and he should. Mm-hmm. Like, as somebody who watched a lot of what Kutch did around Pirates Fest, I mean, there's nobody who has a greater bond with the city of Pittsburgh around baseball than Andrew McCutcheon, and it's not close. Whether he wants to or not, like, he has a role to play, mm-hmm. and he's playing it. Um, he's so important to this team, dude. I mean, I'm not telling you or anybody else anything you don't already know. It's just, like, staggering to see it. I love that he's willing to do that. He needs to be willing to do that. I think in a clubhouse where you have, like, I mean, I like Brian Reynolds and Key Brian Hayes a lot. Are they the most outwardly <laughs> outgoing social people? No, they're not. They they kind of like to just show up and do their job. And, you know, they're kind of more productive players than Koch. Probably, you know, at, at least multifaceted and doing different things. Like, let them do that. If Koch has to, like, be that, be that, you know, sort of public relations liaison or something like that, like, you know, to a degree, like it shouldn't be a sideshow and it's not because he can still play and he's still a productive and helpful player. But I just thought he articulated that very well, that like, I'll put that cape on and do it if that's what my team needs. And, you know, that's what his team needs. So he's doing it. Um, what other takeaways? Sorry to cut you short on the cutch thing. If you have anything. No, no, you're good. Um, other key takeaways, uh, Mitch Keller with, uh, mm, good one. talks. Yeah. That was a big takeaway. It was just like, where they're at with him, that's not something that, if memory serves me correctly, uh, haven't begun those conversations yet. Um, that's certainly him and Bednar, two guys who are the most important pitchers on this roster, and just find it interesting. Those guys aren't ones that are locked up long-term here. So, uh, But Keller, first and foremost, just given the status of where he's at with his contract, with arbitration, all those sorts of things, that was certainly important to me, I think. Yeah, some of that stuff will get sussed out later today. Um, that's the deadline for teams and players to exchange figures. And a lot of times, and I think this is going to be the case with the Pirates, is just you get you agree on a number for, for next year. And it doesn't mean that's necessarily binding. It just means you're not going to go to an arbitration hearing. Um, for Keller and Bednar, if they would decide to sign extensions, I mean, they could agree today and then say, you know what, screw it. This is We're going to go you know, work on an extension long term, and that's still possible. I don't know how good I feel about that, given where we're at, given the lack of dialogue so far. Um, you know, maybe the TV deal for the Pirates or other concerns or needing to address other areas, I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't expect it to be an issue today. I just don't know how confident I feel about it long term. But I did like hearing from Mitch, from Bednar, uh, Reynolds, Sawinski. That first night was really interesting that they brought, you know, a half dozen guys through. And hearing them talk a lot about, um, optimism surrounding the team and how they, they view themselves. Like it was just so opposite of what we've heard and lived in. I mean, you've gotten away from it a little bit, with <laughs> penguins, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's been a lot of negativity surrounding this team. And I think some of it's fair. I understand why people are upset. I'm not saying all is well, but you know, sort of my lead in the, the story that I wrote is like, it hasn't seeped through on the inside, man. Like these guys still think they can be very good. And I think to a degree they can, uh, it's going to be interesting where the water finds its level though. Yeah, no, that's the same place that I go to is just, you know, I think the expectations are there. I don't know exactly in the clubhouse, you know, obviously they're going to say the right things. If we're going after a championship, yeah, right. why else do you play? But like, be I interesting think, if they said, yeah, we're really worried. I don't know if we're going to win more than 70 games this year. <laughs> right. 
I would try Pirates Fest. Like, I would love to give a player truth serum and be like, well, you know, say it's a team that's an 100 loss team and be like, you know, what, what's your expectations here? We're really gunning for fourth place. Like, I would, <laughs> I would love to hear a player yeah. say that, right? But at any rate, no, like, you know, they're going to say the right things and that we're competitive and we believe in this group here. And I think to your point, the offseason isn't done, right? This isn't the finished product. There's still much to be added here. But uh, just an interesting uh, thought to be like, hey, this is a team that thinks highly of itself, thinks it can be better. And, you know, show us what you can do on the field. And yeah. uh, we'll get we'll get a chance to see that in just a few weeks here at spring training. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. All right. Well, it's a Steelers playoff weekend. Um Plenty of hockey and other stuff going on. So you've heard 40 minutes from us. That's plenty. Uh, plenty more to rehash in the weeks ahead, as Andrew said. Make sure to like and subscribe. You can catch all of our Post-Gazette content. Um, thank you, Rowdy, for squeezing us in before heading off to uh, Penguins Canucks. Good Anytime. luck with that. Happy yes. to do so. Glad we can chat a little ball again. Looking forward to doing this more regularly soon. Yes, sir. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage that Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. All right, man. Sweet. Good stuff.